This is a HeadGum Podcast. This is why you're single. This is why you're single. This is why you're single. Ba, 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 ba. This is why you're single. Ba, 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 ba. Welcome to the This Is Why You're Single podcast. I'm Laura Lane. And I'm Angela Sparrow. We are the co-writers of the book, This Is Why You're Single. Every week we highlight a different dating topic. This week's episode is Living an Orgasmic Life. Yes. Also in the lineup, we're talking about what's new in dating news, how lucid dreaming can help fulfill your sexual fantasies, and what constitutes normal sex. Then we're diving into the mailbox to answer your listener question, including one listener who doesn't know where she stands with the guy she's seeing and another listener whose guy never finishes. But first, we want to welcome this week's guest. She is a sex and intimacy educator and coach and the author of the new book, Living an orgasmic life. She is also a holistic pelvic care practitioner and tantra educator. Please welcome Janae Paylette. Hi. Hello. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Super nice to be here. You are so many things in your career. Uh, You started as a sex and uh, you started in sex and intimacy after your own sexual awakening in 2011. Can you tell us what happened? What were you doing before and how you ended up where you are now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I was a healthcare lawyer by training and um, lived in a sexless marriage for over two decades, like really sexless, (laughs) where we actually slept in separate beds for over 15 years. Um, How long were you together for in total? uh, Maybe 28 years. We met right after law school. We were both lawyers. We met right after law school. The week after I graduated from law school, we got married. Like that's how insane it was. So like eight years in, the sex kind of. Yeah, so the sex started, well, here's the thing. For me, sex had always been a drag. It had always been painful. So like from the very first time I had sex, um, it hurt. And it really never got any better. And because it hurt, I never really had any orgasms and I didn't really have any pleasure. And so sex kind of became like an obligation, something that I had to do rather than something that I really wanted to do. But it was very uncomfortable and there was a lot of drama around it. So after... um, our second son was born and I was 28 years old at that point. Um, We just kind of stopped having sex. We didn't really talk about it, but we just basically stopped having sex. Was everything in the relationship great besides that for the most part? Like, Uh, I would say probably not. I I think that we were not very good at communicating with each other um, uh, what our needs were. And, you know, we really couldn't really have very good conversations around what was going on or not going on in our sex life. So it wasn't the only thing that was problematic in the relationship, but there was enough good things in the relationship, including the fact that we just had two babies that, you know, really kept us together. And we were a good parental unit, right? We were a good family unit. Our friends were shocked when we decided to um, separate when they heard that they were really surprised Kids weren't surprised, but our friends were shocked. Whose idea was it? How did that come up? It was very amicable. I think um, by that point, um, we had we had both started living our own separate lives, just like doing our own things. And um, you know, we weren't sleeping together in the same room. You know, we talked about like work and we talked about the kids, but we really didn't have intimacy in terms of really being able to have an emotional conversation. I don't think I was capable of having an emotional conversation, you know? So it, it was really a lot of both of where we were in our life and what we didn't know about what, in, what true intimacy is really like. So was your husband totally unaware that sex was so unenjoyable for you? 
say that again. Was he unaware? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. No, I mean there there were tears. You know, every From every time we tried to have sex, there were tears, tears of like frustration. You know, tears of pain, tears of him like trying to get me off, like really working really hard, like on oral sex, and me just lying there, just completely dissociated. I didn't realize that. I was just totally numbed out. Because for me, it was just very traumatic. Like sex had become trauma. Mm-hmm. And, and my body reacted that way. It was just completely dissociated and numbed out. People don't talk about this enough. And so women think that like they're maybe alone in this. And it's, yeah, like pelvic floor therapy. We've had a pelvic floor therapist mm-hmm. on the podcast before. And she talks a lot about how, you know, uh, people don't know how to get help. And sex doesn't need to be painful. There are ways to help relieve the pain a lot. Is like pelvic floor therapy is one of the, the ways that, that we've learned about on this show. Um, so fast forward to 2011. How did you, I'm assuming now sex is not painful and how did you have Well, this? I mean, I left the marriage. Yes. And when I left the marriage, I decided I had to really understand what was going on with my sexuality and my sex life. And so the first thing that I turned to was just very happenstance was Tantra mm-hmm. <laughs> and sacred sexuality because I met a guy who lived in Brooklyn um, who had taken a Tantra workshop. We knew a little bit about it. And he introduced me to the concept of Tantra. And that was a very, very powerful experience for me because it was very, very different than the way in which I'd normally had sex um, because it was much more focused on not having any expectation of orgasm, being really just aware with the sensations that are going on in your body. He actually showed me a little bit of breath work, which was completely new and different to me. But all of that, you know, really allowed me to learn how to just relax and not worry about what happened. Because I was always so nervous about like, oh, sex is going to hurt. Oh, I'm not going to have an orgasm, right? And then you just like keeps you in your head and then you can't go anywhere. So that was the beginning of it, of my sexual healing. And then I took a really deep dive. I left New York. Um, I moved to California, uh, which is very sex positive. And I started taking a lot of different training programs for my own personal growth and development. I didn't really think it was going to be professional. Um, and at some point, pretty, you know, pretty, pretty soon into it, I was like, oh, okay. Actually, I think this is what I'm supposed to do. I don't want to practice law anymore. I don't want to do any of this stuff. Like, I'm really passionate about helping other women who are in the similar place as I was and had absolutely no one to turn to. And like you just said, didn't even know that there was somebody who, who could actually help them. So you made that change. What, what helped the pain go away in terms of sex? So the pain, most pain, a lot of pelvic pain is really not physical. I mean, you can have a tight physical floor, but typically when you have vaginismus, which is like the um, contraction of the vaginal muscles where nothing can get in, it's typically there is a psychological and emotional component around it. And for me, what really helped was feeling safe, feeling like I didn't have pressure. Um, Some of the tantric practices of going really slow, focusing more on G-spot stimulation, less on intercourse, started to allow... I mean, I had a lot of rage that needed to be released from my ex-husband, from some other stuff. Um, and I had a tremendous amount of shame. And shame is one of those things that also like can cause sex to be very, very uncomfortable and very painful if you're really disconnected from your body. So the journey for me was like 
connecting with my sexuality, connecting with my body, right? Connecting with my genitals. And, um, and that became very, very powerful and also learning how to relax. And it happened slowly over time. It wasn't like, oh, overnight, I went from having no painful sex to having painful sex. But I remember like all of a sudden like, oh, ow, this actually feels good. Like the idea that something could actually feel good that penetrated my vagina as opposed to painful was amazing. And from there, you know, the my body just continues to open up as it does when it's in when it's feeling safe and secure. So you were definitely not alone in your situation. A fascinating statistic that we learned from your book actually is that according to the National Survey of Sexual Health and Behavior, 25% of married couples are only having sex once a month. Does that always mean that your relationship is in trouble? It's a really great question. So we define a sexless marriage as having sex as uh, 10 times or less per year. Okay. Right? And you look at that statistic, there's probably a lot of people in, quote, sexless marriages. Yeah. Um, so what I think is, you know, what I think, for some couples, having sex once a month is perfect. You know, that's all they have time for, especially if they They're have They're just c- beating the statistic 12 times a year. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of 10. Exactly. It's not sexless then. Not, right? sex, not sexless. Barely getting by, but sexless. <laughs> but uh, but uh, not sexless. And if you have little kids, right? You know, if you're in those stages of life when you're super busy and you have little kids, if you can find once a month to have sex... That's good, right? As long as you're still feeling connected with each other. What tends to happen in real sexless marriages is that it starts to feel more and more awkward. So we don't have sex, you know, instead of having sex once a month, then it starts slipping to once every two months. And then before you know it, it's once every six or seven months, right? And then it's often because it starts to really feel weird, right? Like if you stop having sex with your partner and you haven't touched them in seven or eight months, it's a little weird, and people it's like feel someone that you're so close with, but then you also like feel almost self conscious. Right, around. exactly. You're both like hyper aware of what's happening, and it yeah, it takes you out of the moment. I totally like. keeps you out of the moment. Very, very hyper aware of what's happening, and um, it's you know. So I think it really depends on like what type of sex you're having. If you're having, maybe you're not having intercourse but you're having intimacy and you're, you're lying naked and you're cuddling and you're still kissing and you're touching, to me, you're still having sex, right? Like I actually have a very, very, um, a very wide, long definition of what sex is. So I think it depends on what's actually going on, you know, in the relationship itself. So your book is filled with exercises and tools to improve sex life and make it more fulfilling. What are some of these exercises people can do? Well, I have a lot of different exercises, but to have a more fulfilling and pleasurable life, I have a number of exercises on touch. You know, touch is one of those sensory um, elements that's very, very powerful. And one of the things that often happens is that we don't touch our partner in a way that feels good to us. And when we don't do that, A, we're not very present or conscious with our touch and our sort of partner knows it right away. It's kind of like distracted touch. I'm just like rubbing you back and forth. Like for me, that drives me crazy. Um, And um, you're not actually feeling your own pleasure. So switching the paradigm to be able to touch somebody in a way that feels good for you makes it feel better for them. And that creates a pleasure circuit because it feels better for them. You feel their turn on, which turns you on more, right? And then this circuit of pleasure starts circulating um, around you. So that's one of the things that 
um, one of the very many, I think there's like 30 different exercises and tools um, in in this book, but that's one of the things that I think is actually a very, very important one to be able to learn how to do. Um, something that I'm really interested in that you talk about, because I turned 30 this year and a lot of my friends did as well, and we all noticed a change in our libidos and our mm. sex drives, which we were not expecting because... <laughs> I still think of myself as pretty young, but it's weird. Like I definitely feel different than I did when I was in my mid or early twenties. So, um, what, like what, how do you help people with suffering libidos? Yeah. And I mean, this is a really common issue for women, like having libidos that dip, right. And, and there is a cyclical nature to our libidos and there is a cyclical nature to our hormones, right. Our hormones when we're in our twenties, they're just more, they're stronger <laughs> than they are in our thirties. And then they are in our forties, right. We start to lose estrogen, um, as we age. And so that does definitely affect libido. Um, but I, honestly, I feel like, you know, now this may not be, may not be as true for you as a single woman, but for women in certainly in long term relationships as well. Like I feel like a lot of times oh, she's engaged now. Well, yeah, oh, now you're I'm engaged, engaged now. Okay, yeah. well there you go. That is, that explains it right there. No. She's engaged. She just got a ring on her finger. Yeah. I know. So I probably shouldn't be talking about my dipping libido. I should be in like this blissful honeymoon phase. But you know, I want to enter into my marriage, right? Yeah, no, Horny. totally. <laughs> Yes, yes. Well, as you know, like new relationship energy is, you know, has a name. It's new relationship energy. There's actually like endorphins that get released when we meet somebody and then things do change, right? They Mm -hmm. definitely do change. Um, So often, you know, I feel like low libido is, if if it's not hormonally based specifically, it's based on, it happens because maybe we're not getting our needs met emotionally, like we don't feel emotionally safe. If we, for for many women, if we don't feel emotionally connected with our partner, like we don't open up our legs. It's just the way it is. What right? about for men? Uh, men are a little bit different. So women, women tend to get their emotional intimacy needs met by having the emotional connection and then they can open up sexually. And for men, it's actually a little bit opposite. Men tend to feel more intimate and connected with their partner after they've had sex. They go to sex for the emotional connection, right? So you can see right there, there's like this conflict, you know, that's kind of set up in the way in which, um, in the way in which we're wired. So I think that's one piece of it. You know, other pieces around low libido is, um, are you having good sex? (laughs) Like, are you having good sex, right? I feel like a lot of women don't really have very good sex. Like maybe they have mediocre sex, but maybe they're not having really wonderful, great sex that really takes them to the next level, which makes them want to like continue to have sex, right? And I've noticed that like even for myself, you know, when I'm in sexual relationships where the sex is absolutely amazing, my libido rarely, really dips. Um, If I'm in a sexual relationship where it's like, it's okay, you know, it's like, yeah, I can have sex or I could watch, you know, tidying up on Netflix, right? Like I have options. So <laughs> I think that's another piece. I think a lot of women don't have really great sex. Um, maybe because they haven't had the experience of it. Maybe because they don't have experienced enough partners. Uh, unfortunately, I think that's part of it. I think I just really love Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, funny. it's not a reflection of, of Ian's Ian. prowess. It's just you know Marie Kondo and Maria Queer Eye. Oh, man, everyone awesome. loves her new show. What <laughs> I know, it? yeah, it's oh, so my. good. Um, I tidied I remember, up my entire house before I left for New York. Yeah, <laughs> great. It's, it's great. It's a great show. Um, I, yeah, I remember. It's funny when people say like, "Oh, I don't have time. I'm so busy." Because I I remember reading 
probably some like stupid inspirational quote on Instagram, but it was like, you're as busy as you want to be. Mm. And so whenever people are like, oh, I'm so busy. I'm like, well, that's your choice. You know, right. like I like I make time to, I have like a, a baby and podcast and a book, but I make time to like work out every day. Right. And, uh, and, but you know, maybe I might tell my friends like, oh, I'm so busy, but I could mm-hmm. be going to brunch with them instead of working out. Like you prioritize right. your, your right. choices in your life and whether that's, sex or or reading a book or netflix or work work whatever it is like in your life you you definitely like prioritize your your choices whether it's um whether it's conscious or not i think yeah and i always tell couples like all the time like you got to put it on the calendar i know it doesn't sound sexy right I that know. actually comes up a lot on this show it's something we hear a lot from people that yeah. it yeah, like you said, it feels unsexy, but it works, right? It does work. And it can be sexy. You can put it on the calendar on for Thursday, you're going to have a sex date. And on Monday, you start texting each other. Hey, like, really looking forward to Thursday. I'm thinking that maybe, you know, what I want to wear is blank. or You know what I'm saying? Like, you, there are ways you can make it creative and you can make it sexy and you can make it fun and in its own level spontaneous, right? Because we also know, right, that the, you know, the most successful long-term relationships, sexual relationships, there's a lot of, there's a lot of variation of what actually happens. Couples are doing a lot of different things constantly. They don't get into the rut of just missionary position or just doggy style all the time. That gets boring. That's part of the problem. You mean successful long? This is this is helpful. I mean, she's. I, I just had a baby. She's uh, about to get married. So yeah, we would love your tips on like successful long term relationships. And you'd say sex is a big part of that. Yeah, I think successful long term relationships. If you have a strong sexual relationship, it really helps to um, ameliorate any a lot of the emotional issues. Right? Like sometimes just having sex and feeling intimate and having that connection. Some of the other stuff just starts to. Go away. So, if you're in a long term relationship, like make it a priority, put it on your calendar. And, you know, you just had a baby, right? So, it's a lot harder, right? When you've got a baby and somebody's all over you all the time, right? But, you know, and your boobs are out, and you're probably like, I feel like all of a sudden boobs are not viewed as like sexual objects. And right. And you feel like a milk machine. You don't feel, you may, you know, you may feel like your boobs aren't sexy, right? A lot of women st- stop. Well, I have one that. like large D and one small B because my <laughs> baby only wants to drink out of the left. So that's been interesting. Oh, okay. <laughs> Ouch. So if you're into like, if you're into that, yeah, <laughs> I'm a great candidate for a, there's like one guy out there. That there's that's one guy fetish. that is like Laura Lane. Yes. Um, but yeah, all right, Angela, we've got some work to do. <laughs> yes, we do. But we, we can do it. We can do it. All right, on that note, uh, we're going to take a quick sponsor break and then let's jump into what's in the news. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve is where we get all of our sexy, sexy stuff. And you know what is the only thing better than sexy stuff, Angela, is free stuff. Is that right? That is so right. Free stuff is the best, but free stuff that will ignite your Valentine's Day is even better. Check this out. When you go to adamandeve.com and select almost any one item, you'll get 50% off. You'll get it 50% off that one item. That's amazing in itself, but here's where they load on the free stuff. When you enter our exclusive code at checkout, SINGLE, not only do you get 50% off one item, you'll also get 10 tantalizing free items. You know, Angela, it's hard to come up with gifts for Valentine's Day. So if you're like really stuck with gifts, uh, you could just like get a bunch of sexy stuff because who's going to not want that? And maybe if you're not with anybody and you're single, 
Even better. Get a bunch of sexy stuff and have a super sexy night together. Get a vibrator. Actually, you know, before we were taught or later in the episode, actually, we talk about how we like the idea of a sexy gift exchange or a gift exchange with your girlfriends. Do like a vibrator party, guys. Oh, my God. Happy Valentine's Day. Um, And you can get your vibrators at Adam and Eve. And then when you do that, you're going to get a bunch of free stuff. Like Laura said, first of all, they're going to send you six free movies for your viewing pleasure. Next, they're going to send you a free mystery pack that includes an item for him, a special toy for her, and something they know you'll both enjoy. Plus, free shipping, so much free stuff. Uh, And that's a lot of free Valentine's Day stuff. So it's kind of romantic. Head over to adamandeve.com and be sure to use offer code SINGLE. Again, that's S-I-N-G-L-E, SINGLE, because without it, there will be no free Valentine's Day stuff, and we want you guys to have a happy Valentine's Day. That's SINGLE at adamandeve.com. All right, Angela, what have you been reading about in the news? Okay, so I was reading broadly um, in a piece by Lydia Morris. She wrote about how she tried lucid dreaming to fulfill her wildest sexual fantasies. So she says she's really turned on by the idea of wild casual sex, but she has a boyfriend, uh, so she didn't want to cheat on him. So she tried to get into this lucid dreaming thing. Um, Lucid dreaming is something that occurs when the mind is conscious that it is dreaming during sleep and can take control of what happens. So it's basically like a really good sex dream where you actually feel your orgasm. So she, she studied how to do it. Basically, it's the three Ds. She said the first D is dream recall. You set out uh, an intention to remember your dreams. You keep a dream diary that helps you solidify the memory of the unconscious dreaming process to help you remember more of them. And then the final D is dream science, uh, where you it helps spot reoccurring patterns in dreams so you can tell when you're in one. You plant triggers like looking at your hands or at a clock and spotting that uh, it doesn't quite look realistic can also work. Uh, I feel like so, I've had maybe like a couple lucid dreams where I'm dreaming and I know I'm dreaming. I'm like, mm, let's do something fun. It's usually when you like kind of wake up and then go right back to sleep. So do you know much about lucid dreaming? I don't know that much about lucid dreaming. Like I'm not a great dreamer. Like I maybe one out of five nights I'll even remember a dream. So, But I mean, I know a lot of people who quote, do lucid dreaming or practice lucid dreaming. And I'm always impressed that they can do it. I've tried it, like keeping a dream journal, but really that helpful for me. Apparently it takes years to really master and be able to like do it on command. (laughs) Um, It didn't quite work for this author, but I was curious, like, I, I don't think that I could probably master lucid dreaming. So for somebody that has these desires that like is in a long term relationship, but is turned on by the idea of like, casual anonymous sex what would be like your recommendation um other than having casual anonymous uh, sex <laughs> I mean, that, could, that could be your advice yeah i think i think you kind of just need to have a conversation with your partner about maybe opening up the relationship there's at that, that point. there's that right there's that possibility and you know i think you go into fantasy you know it's really interesting because there was just a there's a book that just came out um i can't remember the name of it around um uh like different fantasies and, you know, these, this is like one of the most common fantasy having, you know, sex, either having being gang banged, having sex with multiple people, having anonymous sex with somebody who's not your partner is one of the most common fantasies. So it's really not abnormal <laughs> to have that fantasy. So I would say like, yeah, just go for it. Like, you know, be in your head if, if you need to while you're masturbating and go into that fantasy or maybe while you're having 
sex with your partner one time, you know, I don't see if he'll role play or she'll right. role play. Yeah, totally. See if they're, they're open to, you know, maybe even if it's often just as, um, just to be really supportive and say like, well, maybe I can't enact that part of your fantasy, but I want to support you. Like, I'm excited that you have that fantasy and maybe I can like talk you through that fantasy and participate in it with you. Right. Yeah. That- I think as long as you're never yucking someone's yum. <laughs> What does that mean? <laughs> like if she's like, oh, I'm super into this. And the guy is like, ew, what's wrong with you? Yeah, yeah, right, yeah that's, no shame, um, no shaming. Because yeah, you can know, it's like, it's always a good thing that somebody's feeling sexual. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Something. Which leads right into my article. Yeah, I was reading Psychology Today. This is an article by Dr. Marty Klein called What is Normal Sex? And he writes, almost everyone wants to know what sex is like for other people or to put it another way, what is sex normal like what is sexually normal how often how many minutes how many orgasms how many inches how many partners how much where when how everyone wants to know do you get asked a lot of these all the time right all the time so he says and i'm curious to know if you agree he says these are all mistakes if a sex life works for those involved it's fine it's normal if it doesn't it isn't what others do is irrelevant and what's normal doesn't predict the answer does it work for you does it work for me which i agree to some aspects, but like hearing you give a number of like what, uh, you know, what is a sexless marriage? What is not? I, I find like those numbers helpful. Like, okay, once a month is okay. Just to have like a goal of what's, of what's normal can be like, can just, I don't know, give you some reference points. I feel like, um, I don't know. And then he does list things that, that, that he sees a lot. Like he says, adults have sex a lot of times when they're tired, People have a lot of sex when they're not sober. Most people using Viagra hide it from their partner. Those are like a few commonalities that that he lists. But I'm curious to know your take on when people ask you, like, what is normal sex? I hear that all the time. Like, are we normal? Is this normal? And I, I would respond similarly. Like, there is no such thing as, like, normal. Everything that works for you is normal, right? Like, we all get to, like, create the sex life that we want to have. Right. If you're into like fetish sex and that feels great for you, then that's normal for you. Right. For somebody else, it may not be, but for you, it is. So, you know, and again, I think like what I said before, I think about sex like sex on the spectrum that sex to me is anything that's erotic. Like I could just be like talking to you sexily, sexily, uh, and whispering in your ear and getting turned on. And to me, it's like we're having sex, right? Maybe there's no like penis vagina movement that's going on, but we're still having sex, right? So it's like, what what is it that turns you on? It's still like a sexual moment happening. It's still a sexual moment, right? So it's really about like when you ask about long-term relationship, it's keeping that erotic connection going. There's a lot of different ways and you can keep it going, but keeping it going in as many ways as possible without it necessarily having to be about intercourse. Cool. I think that's so helpful. All right. We're going to take a quick sponsor break and then we're going to jump into our mailbox. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Care Of. Care Of is a monthly subscription vitamin service that delivers completely personalized vitamin and supplement packs right to your door. Now, Angela, I'm going away for like two weeks coming up to get out of this cold in New York. And I'm just so grateful that I can just throw a bunch of like vitamin packs in my back, in my suitcase. I don't need to, you know, have like seven different pill bottles or like have one of those old granny things where you like you know, divide them up by the day. Yes. No, no, thank you. It's it's way hipper that way. And and even if you're not going anywhere, I love the the packaging that Care of comes in. You can just kind of put the box in your 
we have ours in our kitchen and like you take one each day and it makes it really simple because even though we're grownups, we're also kind of like children and we need to be reminded to take our pills every day. And you might not know what kind of pills that you need, which is why you can take Care-of's online quiz that lets you know exactly what you need. Care-of has a fun online quiz that asks you about your diet, your health goals, your lifestyle choices. It takes only five minutes to find out your personal scientifically backed vitamin and supplement recommendations because 90% of people fall short of the FDA recommended guidelines for at least one vitamin or nutrient. I found out that I needed calcium, which I hadn't really thought of, but but then I was like, oh yeah, I, I in the quiz it asked like, you know, do you drink milk? I was like, not really. Like I'll eat cheese here and there, but but they were like, you might need some calcium. Right. Uh, so care of makes it really easy and it should be easy and convenient. It can be really hard to know what vitamins or supplements you should be taking. Um, and they deliver your personalized packets right to your door every month with personalized daily packs. Great for your busy on the go lifestyle. Like when you're jetting off to Florida, like Laura. Yeah. Bye-bye guys. Bye-bye New York. For 25% off your first month of personalized care of vitamins, go to takecareof.com and enter our promo code, this is why. That's 25% off your first month of personalized care of vitamins. Go to takecareof.com and enter our promo code, this is why. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Movement Watches. Guys, Valentine's Day is coming up. Movement knows exactly what to get that special someone. Perfectly curated Valentine's Day gift boxes with the stylist over at Movement. And they've handpicked them out themselves. So they're going to be really cute gift boxes. I think a watch is a great gift for somebody. Uh, we've both gifted our uh, the partners in our lives uh, watches. And, you know, when I was single, what I, my friends and I used to do, we'd kind of do like like a secret Santa version for Valentine's Day, you know, like a stag little gift exchange. So we'd like, you know, maybe it's chocolate. I don't know. But like watches would really be like up in the ante with your friends. If everybody else just brings like those conversation hearts and you show up with a nice watch. I mean, I'd be like, screw you for giving me those stupid conversation hearts. But... But I I like to win gift giving. That's like my goal is I like to to be the winner. I don't know if you're (laughs) supposed to want to be the winner, but... That's how gift giving works. Yeah, I like to win gift giving. So you can win gift giving, whether it's with your significant other or your girlfriend group this Valentine's Day. Movement Watches is a great gift. And they start at just $95. You're looking at $400 to $500 for the same quality watch at a department store. So you're saving a bunch of money. You can get why don't you get two watches? Get one for yourself. You deserve a little gift too. They have clean design. They're minimalist and they really are just quality products. Movement has sold almost 2 million watches in over 160 countries. It's a lot of watches. It sure is a lot of watches. Get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns by going to mvmt.com slash single. See why movement keeps growing. Check out their expanding collection too. Go to mvmt.com slash single and join the movement. All right, Angela, what do we have in the mailbox this week? Okay, this question is from Lusty Listener. Lusty writes, I have been dating my boyfriend for two years now and we moved in together about a year ago. Things are great. When we first started dating, we had sex all the time, but I was also nervous to initiate anything. So while I would talk about what I wanted and when things got going, they were great. There was uh, a strain on our sex lives because he didn't want to always initiate sex. Fast forward to today, the roles have completely reversed. After a lot of effort and listening, uh, listening to the podcast, I have been feeling confident enough to start initiating sex more. Yay. That means yes, my... Yes, yay. I Glad know. Look at us. Look at us. Um, she says, that means my sex drive hasn't gone up, but I have recently found out that my boyfriend says his, his sex drive has gone down. 
what do I do? I don't want to feel like he's just having sex to please me. It's supposed to be a fun thing. We are young and in love. What do you think? Yeah, what what kind of advice? I Yeah, I'm curious about this too. We've talked on the podcast about how I have like a little bit higher sex drive than Nick. So I can relate right. to this in terms of like, I'm like, I don't want her to feel like you're having sex with me as like a favor. So, which I feel like is kind of what she, what I'm vibing here. Yeah. Right? So what advice would you yeah, give? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing is like, you know, can they have a conversation around this? Like, that's the first thing. Like, just to be able to, for her to say like, wow, like I, I, I feel like you're having sex from, from with me out of obligation. I don't want that to happen, right? So just like note it, state it, put it on the table so that you can actually have a conversation around it. And, you know, mismatched desires, like that's one of the most common problems that couples have. Like somebody has a higher desire, somebody has a lower desire. Um, you know, can you know, maybe he's not getting what he wants. Maybe it's not as sexy for him for her to always be initiating. Maybe they need to be switching more and looking at the roles that are playing. And I think they need to have a conversation about like, hey, to her, for her to him, like what does turn you on? Like, what do you want to have, have, it, have happen in our sex life? You know, maybe he loves to take a woman and be the aggressor and he's feeling like this is kind of like cutting my balls off, right? Men feel that way, disempowered. Yeah. That's like initially, it seems like a power dynamic that, that they don't have clear. Yeah, guys get in their head, especially when they, then they start to feel bad about not having a sex drive and then that makes them feel worse and it's just like, right, right. and then it just gets, it's just like spirals, I feel like is what we hear a lot. When do you think is the best time to have a conversation like that? Like you don't want to do it when you're fighting, but then also things are good and you're like, oh, fuck, we're having such a good day together. Exactly. And we're like, and we're like about to go watch Murray Kondo on Netflix and <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to ruin the night. So what do you do? You know, that's always a really great question. What I know when you don't want to, you don't want to do it when you're fighting and you don't really want to do, have that conversation necessarily when you're having sex, right? I think the conversation you could have during sex is like, hey, is there something else I can do to turn you on, right? I'd really like to please you. What would you like? That conversation you can have while you're having sex. So pick a good time, you know, when everybody's like chilled out, maybe like you're calm and you're cuddling and... You know, it, 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 it shouldn't be like a drama conversation. It should be like open communication, loving conversation about like, I just really want, you know, I want you to be as turned on as possible. What is it that turns you on? Maybe they never even had that conversation. Yeah, right? it's a hard conversation to have. People yeah, I think a lot of people don't. It's tied up in a lot of emotional stuff. Yes, it is. All right, I think that's great advice. Let yeah. us know if that works for you. What else do we have in the mailbox? Okay, this one is from Michelle. Michelle writes... I've been seeing this guy from Bumble and I really like him. And if things go well between us, I can see a future with him and getting serious. But he has some intimacy issues. We have great chemistry and I'm highly attracted to him. We kiss like we are never going to see each other again. He gives me massages, kisses me all over my body, et cetera, et cetera. You know how it is when you're very much into your partner. The problem is that he cannot stay hard for a long period of time and has yet to come. He is diabetic, and I think that has a lot to do with him not being able to stay aroused. I'm not sure what to do. Janae. Um, okay, so I don't know how, how I don't know his age, so that definitely probably that's true plays into it. Mm -hmm. But um, <laughs> look, there are certain medical conditions that have an impact on erections, and diabetes is like the number one. Really? And, yes. Um, and heart disease can also have a really big impact on erections, but di diabetes has a very uh, big impact on erections. I don't know if it's because of the, 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 the medicine that you have to take, 
which may cause blood flow issues into the penis. Um, but this is very, very common. I don't know if you can take Viagra if you have diabetes. Yeah, you have to talk to your doctor about that. You have that, to talk to yeah. your doctor about that, right? But that would be one thing to look at. Um, and, and the other piece is like, you know, it's possible that he's just going to have problems with erections, which doesn't mean they can't have a great sex life. We've gotten emails from a lot of guys that feel a lot of pressure that they have to come. And we, we had like a, I forget, remember we had, we were, I can't remember which podcast it was, but guys were talking about whether they had like faked coming or not. And we were like, we were shocked how many men have actually done that. And we were like, how we're like, it's you know, I guess easier than you think. You assume like a guy can't fake it, but like, especially if you have like a condom on or like, or you're using lube and there's no condom, like, you know, they don't know what's coming out. Is it the lube? So guys talk about faking it and they say, you know, there's a lot of pressure on us to feel like we have to come. And like, can we please like dispel this that like we can still enjoy sex without coming? Just like, you know, women say sometimes, uh, you know, they can still enjoy sex and they don't necessarily have to orgasm every time. So I also want to put that out there for her that we have heard from a lot of guys. I mean, I don't know, is is your guy frustrated and embarrassed by it? Then it seems like, you know, he's not maybe enjoying it and is, he's frustrated he can't come. But he could be enjoying sex with you and just not coming and it might make you self-conscious about it, but you shouldn't be if he's clearly into you. Would you agree with that? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I work, I've worked with a lot of men with delayed ejaculation. It's not at all uncommon, especially in the beginning of new relationships, right? There is a lot of pressure for men to come, but he also is having erection issues. So, right. you know, they're sort of like, yeah, you, you can't, can't ejaculate. Yeah. If you can't mm-hmm. get well, you can actually. Oh. There's there's separate physiological functions you can ejaculate um, without having you know an orga- orgasm ejaculation are totally different, but um, it's very rare. Wait, how? I've <laughs> yeah. Never, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, Explain that. They're separate physiological. They are literally but they separately usually happen at the same time. They usually happen at the same time, but they don't have to happen at the same Interesting. time. Interesting. Just like a woman can. It's similar, right? Our, our anatomies are actually pretty similar. A woman can have an orgasm but not ejaculate. Right. And she can ejaculate and not have an orgasm. Same thing with a man. That's so, so fascinating. A man can have a I soft penis and um, they can ejaculate. I've absolutely ap- actually seen witnessed that. it. Yes. Wow. I've never and they can seen, have, I've never seen uh, it on YouTube that. And yeah. certainly they can have non-ejaculatory <laughs> orgasms, right? Full body, energetic orgasms without More ejaculation. of the tantra stuff exactly, probably, right? Exactly. So I, you know, so delayed ejaculation, you know, it's hard to know what it's from. It could be from pressure. It could be from diabetes because there's not an erection. Um, and you know, she should give, she should give him a lot of compassion and also like not make him feel bad and just say like, you can still turn me on in so many different ways. You can use dildos. He can, you know, there's a lot of ways in which they can have penetrative sex with some sort of hard implement fingers. Yeah. If she wants to make it work with this guy, she can do it. Right. And clearly she shouldn't blame herself. Yes. She's not doing anything wrong. Not. No, No, definitely not. Absolutely not. And yeah, blaming yourself would probably also have the effect of making him feel even worse and yeah. spiral that way. But uh, this was all a lot to think about. We hope it yeah. was helpful. If any of you listeners want your questions answered or if you have any fun messages that you want to share, you can email us at contact at thisiswhyyoursingleshow.com. Uh, please be concise, a paragraph or less if you want to get it on the show. You can also find all of our contact info on our website at thisiswhyyoursingleshow.com. Now let's dive into our reason of the week. This week's reason is living an orgasmic life. So what can people do to start to live an orgasmic life, which is the title of your book? Um, we've talked a lot about 
different things uh, on this episode so far. Anything that we haven't mentioned that can add to having a fully orgasmic life? Yeah, well, it's interesting. When I think about living an orgasmic life, it's not just about a sexually orgasmic, but it's about being in the flow. And you know what I believe is that the way in which you're in the flow is that you stay connected to your own sexual energy, right? So when we stay connected to that, like our particularly for women, right? We stay connected to our pelvic bowl. It's the center of our creativity and our power. And feeling that power allows us to be able to sort of be in the flow of life. And that's what I think about. You know, an orgasm has a beautiful ease to it. There's a relaxation to it. There's a peak and there's a valley and a peak and a valley and it flows, right? And that's what living an orgasmic life is. It's like, can I connect with my sexual energy, which is super juicy, and use that to bring in, attract into my life and flow with the things that I really want, whether it's new relationships, a new partner, a new job, a new baby, whatever it is. So I think the most important the message chakra. is like, the yeah, root the chakra, the Isn't root the chakra. Root, the root chakra, yeah, the, which I know from when I went, was I, I've talked about this many times on the podcast, but when I was a burning man, <laughs> I went to this like meditation of burning man where we were like meditating and they like had us walk through like all of our different chakras and I was just sitting there with my arms, like, you know, sitting cross-legged with my arms on my knees. And when they said root chakra, I had like a full body orgasm, like with my brain that has like never happened. I mean, actually it's happened a couple times after yoga class in Shavasana when mm-hmm. I'm just so in touch with my mind and I'm not like touching myself. I'm just like mm-hmm. laying in Shavasana, but like, I mean, I wish I could do this every time. I'm not like, I'm not, I'm not just like orgasming with my brain all the time. It's, it's happened probably in total, maybe the one time in Burning Man, maybe maybe three times after yoga class, and I've taken probably two thousand yoga classes, so like not that many times, but but it's powerful, and it just makes you realize the power of your mind. It's been when I'm so connected mentally with my body, and um, yeah, I, I, I wish I wish I was always that connected with myself because when it happens, it's pretty and that's cool. what that's where it comes from, right? It comes from being really connected to your body, like being really aware of your energy and being able to channel. Um, that energy. That's where those full body orgasms come from. They're helped with breath, with yoga. Maybe you started doing some kundalini, right? Mm-hmm. So start to awakening and moving some of that energy at the back it's of the wild. spine. I mean, energy is real. Like yeah, it it's is. there. It is. <laughs> it's like really selling everyone on yoga classes it's, right now. It's a real. It's, it's a real thing. Um, so any any like hands on healing that uh, that people can do. Uh, I think you talk about in your book somatic and hands on healing. Mm, yeah. So um, so out in California. <laughs> We are allowed to do a lot of hands-on healing. So um, I'm a sexological body worker, um, and that means that I have special training uh, to be able to work with um, women and men and do like intimate gen- gen- intimate work, like touching their genitals, which like, for example, if a woman comes to me and she's never had an orgasm or she's just feeling really sexually shut down, can be really helpful to be given like a sensual massage. It can also be really educational. This is where your clitoris is. This is where your G-spot is. So many women don't know where their G-spot is and they don't understand how to activate it, right? And so the opportunity for people to be able to like experience healing from the inside out, that was a big part of my own personal healing was I did have a lot of internal massages, yoni massages, what we call in tantra, tantra world, um, sacred spot or G-spot massages. And, and that G-spot holds a tremendous amount of emotion and trauma as well. 
and being able to activate it and have that experience of this surrender and this powerful experience of a G-spot orgasm and stimulation really starts to change things and unblocks a lot of holding that's in the body. So for me, that was actually very, very powerful. And so being able to do some hands-on healing um, if you're in the appropriate community. It's like a lot of Tantra um, Tantra teachers, educators, workers will actually offer some hands-on healing, like in the New York area, I know, for example. um, So it's not allowed in New York, but it is in California. It's only allowed in California. You can do pelvic floor work, but that's not very sexy because they're not really allowing you to be in your pleasure. Yeah, right? no, no, no. I've done. I've yeah, it's I've very, had, it's very medicalized. Right. Yeah, I, I've had pelvic floor where they they're they're literally like inside you. Right. But it's not. It's yeah, not it's about it it's as erotic fun, as a guy. Yeah, it's not probably. a funny. It's not a funny. It's not a fun thing. It's not like a sexy thing. They're not like near the clitoris or G, like. They're like, well, I'm entering your pelvic floor. Here's your hip. Yeah. And it was because I had a very tight pelvic floor and was feeling like what felt like UTI right. pain, but it was like, yes, it was just like the muscles were very tight. So I had to go to pelvic floor therapy and it was incredible and like, you know, uh, very helpful and, and, and opening about, uh, like, you, you know, the pelvic floor holds so much of your body. Yes. Um, but, but yeah, it's not. It was not a yoni massage. No. Let's but just say that. That's for sure. But the other thing that may be available in New York is like I'm trained in, I'm a holistic pelvic care practitioner. So holistic pelvic care, it is internal work, but it's more around releasing both the energetic blocks that are in the pelvic bowl internally, right? Um, and also smoothing out the adhesions, right? Because it's part of the reason your pelvic floor is tight is because the adhesions mm-hmm. are, you know, it's like gum, right? Like it's sticky and you want to really kind of smooth it out, which is why like in England, for example, every woman who has a baby gets a couple of sessions of um, pelvic m- pelvic massage. I, I, I mean... Right? They should give that to everyone. I would love that. Yeah. Yes. Very, I very, very, very helpful and very, very still powerful. Still need that. <laughs> still need that. Um, well, this is all interesting, and I think it's time now to move on. Would you say, Angela? Oh yes. For our reason of the week breakdown. So because so many people have a hard time talking about sex, our culture has created countless creative euphemisms for the big O. Janae will have to guess which taboo topic these phrases are referring to in a game we call death or Or orgasm. orgasm. (laughs) We're going to read a phrase and you have to tell us if it's a phrase that means death or a phrase that means orgasm. Are you ready to play? I am ready to play. Go for it, Angela. Okay. Bite the dust. Is that death or orgasm? Death. Sure is. Correct. Next up, blow your lump. Orgasm. Sure is. Two for two. (laughs) Break the arrow. Wow, okay. I've never heard that one before. Break the arrow. I'm going to say orgasm. Very good. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Walk the plank. Oh, definitely death. You know your death and orgasm. <laughs> Kick the bucket. Definitely death. Uh, cleave the pin. Cleave the pen? Pin, like a, like a safety pin. Oh, okay. Cleave the pin. Wow. I'm going to say death. But I don't know. 
Nope, that one's an orgasm. Cleave an the orgasm pin? One day. Yeah. Not you sure know, what. According to the internet. Yeah. Some kind of metaphor. Not sure what. Um, kick the beam. Kick the beam? Yeah. Death or orgasm? Kick the beam. Death. That is actually orgasm. I'm assuming that's like when you're in bed and you're like, Having such a good time. Oh, okay. There you <laughs> like, go. The beam above your bed. I guess. <laughs> All right, you're we really got, tall. We got two more, and now you're right. gonna make a comeback. La petite mort. La petite. La petite mort is the, the little death. The little death. I know that. La petite mort. Huh. I don't know. I mean, I know what it means. The little death. I'm gonna say orgasm. Is I wrong? Technically, both. It translates to the little death, and it's common use, commonly used for orgasm. Yeah. So, but so you both. can also have a little death, I guess. Yes, I suppose <laughs> As you can. As a big death. <laughs> all right. I think you're going to get this last one, Angela. Okay, finally. Go the way of all flesh, death or orgasm. Go the way of all flesh. It sounds like death. Sure is. Oh, Got it. Whew, that was hard. Right? You, you did good, though. You nailed it. But you'd be surprised how many orgasm and death phrases sound so similar. It's so interesting. Guys, we hope we have cleared up this week's reason because that is it for this week's This Is Why You're Single podcast. Thank you so much to our guest, Janae Paylette. You can order her book on Amazon. You can also follow her on Twitter at Power of Pleasure and on Facebook at facebook.com slash N-E-T-P-O-P. Any other plugs we can tell people about where they can find you and where they can yes, get your stuff? Yes, my website, which is powerofpleasure.com. Great. At Instagram at Jeanette P-O-P. Cool. Uh, and a little plug for ourselves. Check out our book. It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our audiobook on Audible. Buy them both together. Why not, guys? And you can get hooked up with discounts from all of our sponsors. For a full list of sponsors and the code, check out our podcast page on thisiswhyyoursingleshow.com. Maybe you got inspired by today's episode. We have uh, Adam and Eve as a sponsor. Get yourself a sex toy. Um, we're also on social. So you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Your Single Show. Please like and subscribe on iTunes. And thank you so much for listening. Tune in next week for a whole new show. Bye. This is why you're single. This is why you're single. That was a headgum podcast.